Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Amen. Well, again, welcome. We are glad to have everyone here. And today I am going to be speaking, as I just mentioned, of a joyous living hope. My text is going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. And I encourage you, as we put these up on the screen, they'll be coming up on the screen, and as they are there, I encourage you to read along with me. So hear now the word of our living God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Well, here we are. It is Easter Sunday as you are watching this. And of course, Easter is a central celebration for Christians. Christmas is important. Pentecost is important. There are many different times that we celebrate various things, but Easter is the central celebration. It's a time of joy. It is a time of hope. But right now, you might be asking yourself, how can we celebrate with joy? How can we celebrate with hope in the midst of this pandemic, life seems to have been taken and turned upside down. The things we took for granted just a short few weeks ago now seem to all be very shaky, whether it's the economy, uh, our own situation, our relationships, or just our ability to gather. So how can we speak of joy and hope in the midst of a pandemic like that? Well, I believe that Easter is very relevant to our current situation, and I think Peter's particular text here will speak to us of how Easter comes to us, not uh, just during good times, but especially even in times of suffering and even death. Now, if you notice here in this letter, Peter is writing to a people who are living in troubled times. They're not living in an easy time for believers. It's actually a very difficult time. So notice that in our text, in verse 6, Peter writes, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So notice Peter's language here that these believers are suffering grief in all kinds of trials. There's a lot of things that are hitting and buffeting them that are creating difficulty for these Christians, and they are in fact suffering. So whatever Peter's going to say about joy and about hope, 
It is in the context of suffering. It is something that applies to people who are actually suffering, that are in very difficult circumstances. Now, I say this because not just because it's in passing in one or two parts of this little passage in the letter, but in fact, suffering is a key theme throughout 1 Peter. We see it there in verse 6, but Peter speaks uh, of suffering 19 different times in this letter. Now, there's only 105 verses in the letter, but 19 times he uses words that, that are translated either suffering or grief or, or these kinds of things. It's a constant theme. In fact, the term pashko, the, the Greek word pashko, that uh, if you've ever heard of Eastern Orthodox Christians, they actually refer to uh, Good Friday and, and all that as pasha, uh, which comes from that Greek word. It means suffering. The highest occurrence in any New Testament writing is here in 1 Peter. It specifically see, uh, is used in other places to speak of the, the Passover and the suffering of Jesus Christ, the, the passion of Jesus Christ. But Peter uses it more often than anyone else, and he predominantly is referring to the sufferings that these believers are going through. And in fact, if you look uh, I did a search the other day on 1 Peter, and if you remove words like a, an, and the, which are called articles, and pronouns, the words that have the highest occurrence in the entire letter are God, Christ, and then this word pashko for suffer. It's the third most. Only God and Christ appear more than pashko other than like pronouns and things like that. So it is a very key theme in this letter. Uh, it's not written to people who are enjoying good times. It's not written to people who are living in times of ease and comfort, but rather people whose lives have been suffering major disruptions. Let me show a few of these uh, just as we go through a quick look through 1 Peter so that we can understand the context in which Peter's going to offer us uh, a living joyous hope. First off in 1 Peter 6, the verse that we've already looked at, notice Peter says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now you, you uh, for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So clearly right up front, Peter recognizes you're suffering grief. There are trials. There are things that are hitting you that are making life difficult for you, and you're having to go through these. So whatever else Peter is going to speak of, these trials that are producing suffering and grief are the context in which Peter writes. Secondly, in 1 Peter 2, 19 and 20, and again, I'm just going to pick a few verses, but Peter says, it's commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he's conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. So notice here, Peter twice in verse 19 and then again in verse 20, he speaks of unjust suffering or suffering for doing good. And I want to suggest to us that that's actually probably the most difficult kind of suffering to deal with. It's one thing if I'm going through something and you know, I kind of got myself into trouble, or if everybody's going through it, but if the suffering itself is unjust, and specifically, if I've done good, 
and then I'm getting punished for it and the suffering is coming upon me specifically because I did good, that's a very difficult trial. But it's what was happening to these believers. And the specific suffering uh, that they're going through is persecution. We see this in a number of places in the letter. For example, in 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 14, we read, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So notice he says it's a painful trial they're suffering, which he identifies as participating in the sufferings of Christ. It's a, the koinonia, the fellowship, the sharing in Jesus' sufferings. And why is it that they're sharing in his sufferings? Because they're being insulted because of the name of Christ. They're doing good. They're responding to the gospel. Their faith is producing good fruit and good works, and yet they are being persecuted for these very things. And we know that the people to whom Peter is writing in what we now would call Asia Minor, um, that area over in the, the area of Turkey, the Christians there went through uh, intense persecutions over a number of different cycles uh, in the years at the close of the New Testament and shortly thereafter where they were being persecuted for being Christians. And many Christians, in fact, have suffered this down through the ages. This has been a, co a consistent uh, trial that Christians have had to walk through, and it continues right to our present day. The most persecuted group on the globe by far are Christians. They are suffering uh, in Nigeria. They are suffering uh, throughout the Middle East. They are suffering in places like Pakistan and India and Bangladesh. Uh, it is a constant theme for them. In China, in fact, many Christians have suffered. North Korea, all of these places. And so Peter's letter was written to people who are living in circumstances and times like this. So the Christians to whom Peter wrote his letter were enduring a period of unjust suffering, being persecuted even for the name of Jesus Christ. And the suffering they were undergoing is far greater than anything you and I are facing right now. And so whatever message Peter would say to them would apply to that time of suffering. Now, you may be wondering, how is this an Easter sermon? Well, I'm going to turn to the part because we're going to see that Peter now offers us hope and it's based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we need to understand before we even turn there that it's applicable because what you and I are going through would actually even pale in comparison to what they were facing and what they were going through. Uh, these things apply at all times and all places. So let's turn to where Peter talks about a joyous living Hope, And I want to look at each of those words, the joyous, the hope, and the living. We're actually going to do it starting with hope and then moving to joy and then to how it is living, how it is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So notice 1 Peter says they have hope. In 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Peter says they were born again into hope. They were, they were regenerated, they were born anew into hope. And so he's gonna be telling them, despite all of the suffering, 
that they're going through, despite the persecution that they are being called to endure through, they are to be people of hope. They are, in fact, they are people of hope. They were born again into hope. And this is the first of five different mentions of hope in the letter. And it is key that throughout the letter, hope is never based on circumstances. Rather, it is always based on God, his character, and his actions, especially as seen in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, we see it here in verse 3 that this is a we're born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice in 1 Peter 1.21, he says, Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. See, this is why they can have hope even in the midst of their difficult circumstances. Their hope is not in themselves. It is not in their circumstances. It's not that things are going to change and the sun will come out tomorrow even. Their hope is in God. Their hope is in His character, His actions, and specifically in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So notice again, he says that this God who raised him from the dead. So we've seen it twice, and we're going to come back to this in a few minutes, that that is the firm anchor for hope. But secondly, notice that Peter says not only do they have hope, he says they have joy. Back in our text in 1 Peter 6, uh, chapter 1, verses 6 and 8, Peter says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And in verse 8 he says, You haven't seen him, but you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So notice Peter here says not only that they can have joy, but he tells them it's a, you greatly rejoice. And he says, you have an inexpressible and glorious joy. It's, a, it's an overflowing joy. There's, there's so much joy you can't even contain it inside. But notice what's sandwiched in between there is still that there is, you're suffering grief. There are trials that are going on. Even in the midst of their suffering and trials, Peter says, you have joy. And their hope is therefore a joyful hope. It's not just a wishing for the future. It's not a hope where they grit their teeth and they just try to make it through while they're pining away in the present. No, their joy is not great. Uh, it's not small. It is great. It fills them. It overflows out of them. And so this is true because notice both their hope and their joy are not based on their circumstances. Peter's not saying you can have hope because things are going to get better. He's not telling them you have joy now because things are going your way. He's telling them, in fact, everything is difficult. You are suffering a painful trial. This is a difficult time for you, but you have been born again into a joyful hope. You've been born again and given hope and joy as your inheritance because they're not based on the circumstances. They're based entirely on something else. And that's the third major point here is their joyous hope is living because it's founded on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter repeats this theme several different times and ways. We'll just look at a couple of them. But if you notice, you'll see how often he relates 
their hope and their joy to the resurrection of Jesus and the the future eternal inheritance that they have. Notice in verse 3, again, a praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so their hope is not something separate from the resurrection. Their hope came through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Their hope is not a false dead hope. Rather, it is a true living hope. And this is because their hope is not based on circumstances which can change. You and I might come back and and watch this video a year from now and think, what's he talking about suffering? What's he talking about difficulty? Life is going very well. We have good seasons and we have bad seasons. There are years that I look back on with great fondness and say, that was a great year. And then there are years that I look back and say, that was a tough year. But Jesus tells us here in his scripture through Peter, we can have a joyful hope, a living, joyous hope, whether it's a good year or it's a bad year, because it's not based on our circumstances. It's based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if you and I look and say, is Jesus risen? And the answer is yes, and it always will be, then there can be a joyous hope. He makes the same point later. We saw this in verse 21 a little bit earlier, but notice, through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him so your faith and hope are in God. So notice he says your your hope is in God. It's not in the circumstances. It's not in what you can do. It's not in how some government authority is going to come in and rescue. It's not in anything other than God himself. And this is the God who has raised Jesus from the dead. Peter is basically making the same point. You've been given hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so notice here, the resurrection is the basis for our joyous hope. And this is essential for you and me, and it's essential for a couple of reasons. And so I want to take the rest of our time to talk about the resurrection as the basis for our joyous hope. The resurrection is the basis for our joyous hope because it shows the greatest enemy, death, has been defeated. Notice in verses uh, chapter 1, verse 3, and verse 21 again. You can see them on the screen, but notice that in verse 3, our hope is because it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's by this resurrection. And in verse 21, you believe in God who raised him from the dead. Peter is not here speaking of a metaphorical resurrection. The New Testament nowhere speaks of the resurrection of Jesus in a metaphorical sense or a spiritual sense. The New Testament always speaks of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in a literal, physical, bodily sense. And this is good news for you and me because the greatest difficulty you face, the greatest suffering that is ever going to come your way is not what we are going through right now. It is not social distancing. It's not economic difficulties. It's not political strife. The greatest difficulty that faces you and me is death. And it is going to come to every one of us. But the good news that Peter is telling us is that enemy, the greatest enemy we are ever going to face, has already 
been defeated. It is not a battle that is still to be fought. Jesus Christ has already conquered death. And so Peter says, you can have hope. You can have joy because the worst that can happen to you is you would be put to death. But you've already won that battle if you are in Jesus Christ. If you belong to him, he has already conquered death. And this is important. Let let me say for just a minute, any hope, and I use the little quote marks, any hope that doesn't reckon with, that doesn't deal with the fact of death is an ephemeral hope. It means little to nothing. It's not real. It's not substantive because everything else falls apart if death is going to have the last word. And so it is essential that if we're going to think about hope and we're looking for a foundation for hope, it has to be one that can conquer even death. And this leads to the second point because someone might say, well, that's good news for Jesus. Maybe Jesus has conquered death and therefore he can have a living, joyous hope. But what about me? I may still be facing death. In fact, right now with the whole COVID-19 situation, many people are facing their own mortality. So how does that help me? Well, that's the second point here, which is Jesus's resurrection guarantees our resurrection and our eternal inheritance. Notice how Peter puts it in verses three through five. He says that we have this this new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Hear what Peter's saying. Jesus' resurrection guarantees our resurrection. Jesus' resurrection guarantees our future inheritance. And that inheritance means that one day we're going to be raised along with him. His resurrection guarantees that our inheritance is not temporal. It's not bound to this earth. It's not something that can He says, perish or spoil or fade. It reminds me of Jesus' words where he said, don't lay up treasures that can, you know, rust or moth can come in and eat them. Peter says, look, there's inheritances that do perish. There are inheritances that spoil, they fade. You're giving something. Even in a couple of verses says, look, even gold, which gets refined by fire, you know, ultimately even that can't last. But what we have is even greater than that. It is can last. It will never pass away. And this is why Jesus's resurrection is a firm foundation for a living, joyous hope. Because we too, who are in him, will be raised, we will live eternally, and we will forever and ever enjoy the inheritance that Jesus Christ has won for us. And so Peter writes to these believers and he says, this is why you can have a joyous hope. This is why your hope is alive, why it's real, because Jesus Christ has conquered death. And because he has victorious over death, you one day will be victorious over death as well. Because he has received his internal inheritance, he is giving it to you and it is kept 
for you and nothing and no one can ever take it away. Friends, that is good news. Now, how do we apply the word? I want to bring up kind of one point and then speak to two different groups of people. The point for all of us is, do I see that the ultimate enemy and cause for despair is death? See, our culture is expert at trying to avoid this fact. We, we, we like to not think about death or to try and make it that it's something for someone else. We can become desensitized to the reality of death because we see so many deaths on TV, but of course, that's always kind of out there. It's not real, and, and it doesn't really apply directly to me. And we, we, rather than thinking about death, we try not to think about it. We try to keep ourselves looking young. If I were following our culture, I wouldn't have all this gray hair right now because every morning when I wake up and I look in the mirror, it's a reminder I'm getting older. And every day is a day closer to death. But our culture doesn't want to think about that. So we, we dye our hair and we nip and we tuck and we do all of these kind of things. And all of it is a fool's errand. Because the reality is death is coming for every one of us. It is the enemy we will all have to grapple with. And so... This coronavirus has actually performed a service in one sense. And the sense is this. It snapped us back to reality. People who a few months ago were acting as if somehow death did not apply to them. It wasn't an ever-present reality. It has suddenly become a present reality. And people are realizing, I'm mortal. I'm not going to go on forever and ever. I don't even control how long I'm going to live. And I can, I can Botox myself up and do all of these other things, and it won't prevent my death. And I want to tell you that's actually a good thing because that is reality. The idea that somehow death doesn't apply to me is foolishness. And so any hope that we want to talk about has to grapple with this fact. So, so let me ask a couple questions to all of us. Do, do I try to ignore death or do I face it squarely? Earlier Christians, I've mentioned this before, if you ever watch our After Hours videos, you will notice I've got the symbols of mortality that were used uh, in art down through the ages. Uh, there behind me, a skull and uh, a, a candle burning down and a, and a uh, the the sand going through the hourglass. And those symbols are there to remind us that we're all actually going to die. In earlier generations, many Christians kept those things around them to remind them we're but dust. We're going to die. We're going to stand in front of God. And that's a wiser way to live. So do I do that? Do I uh, face it squarely or do I try and ignore death? Because that's a fool's errand. You're going to face death, and so am I, and then we're going to stand before God. Do I live in recognition of my own death? It's not just that I face that death exists. Yes, it exists out there. It exists for someone else. No, death is here. Death applies to me. I am mortal. Have I faced that? Now, that leads to the two different groups. First, I want to speak to you, if you're listening to this, you're watching this, 
and you are not a Christian. I want to ask you, have you been born again into a joyous living hope? See, everything Peter says about hope here is predicated upon being born again into this hope. It's not something we have as a natural state. The only way that we can have true hope, hope that's not just a fantasy, but a true, living, joyous hope, is if we have been born again, if we have been regenerated by the Spirit of God and we now belong to Jesus Christ. The victory over death is His victory over death, and we only get it by being in Him. This is the good news. Christ has conquered death so that you might live. He is here and he offers it to us. So I want to ask you, have you looked to Jesus Christ in faith? Are you you looking to him and saying, I realize I am mortal. This is my problem. Maybe it's this virus has snapped me out of my, my dream state and awakened me to my own mortality. If it has, I want to encourage you, look to Jesus Christ. You will not conquer death. That's not coming out of a lab somewhere. No technology is going to bring that. Only Jesus Christ can bring this. But he has already won the battle. And he offers that victory to you. Have you let his death be your death? Have you let his resurrection become your resurrection. Friend, that's what Christ is calling you to today. And I want to urge you, look to him in faith. Cry out to him for salvation. He is here. He offers it freely to you. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. It is something that he freely gives. I urge you, look to him today. If you are doing this, I want to encourage you, please contact our church office. Uh, We'll put a link up on the screen right now. You can go to the web address at brcc.church and you can contact us there. You can send an email or you can call us and you can reach out and let us know if you either want to talk more about this or if you have responded to the gospel and you're saying, "I, I have become a Christian, how do I grow in my faith? I want you to reach out and let us walk through this with you. Uh, As difficult as this season could be, if you would do that, it would be the best moment of your life. Finally, I want to speak to Christians and I want to ask us, are we living with a joyous hope? Are we living in joyful hope? Notice Peter here doesn't command. He doesn't say, hey, Christians, I want you to strive to get joy. I want you to strive to get hope. No, Peter says you were born again into a living hope. Peter says this joy that overflows is yours through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this is not something we strive for. It's inherent to being a Christian. It is inherent to being born again. And so, therefore, it's not dependent on our circumstances. So if it rises up and says, well, I've had that in the past, but right now... Our problem is the but. If you are a believer, if I am a believer, then we ought to be living in joyous hope, no matter the circumstances that are going on around us, because our joy 
and our hope is not based on our circumstances. It is based on Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead, which guarantees that come what may, whatever difficulties, whatever trials, whatever suffering, Peter tells us all they are doing is winning for us an eternal weight of glory. They are winning for us an eternal inheritance that God is just growing it. It's multiplying. You know, in in this recent thing, what, what little bit of mutual funds I've got melted away. A lot of money was lost during you know the early stages of all this. But see, here's the good news. When tough times come here, oftentimes our treasures go away with them. But the treasure we have only grows and grows and grows. Whatever the enemy can throw at us can only magnify our eternal inheritance. And so Peter would say to us, you don't have to strive for joy. It's God's gift to you. You don't have to strive for hope. It is God's gift for you. Friend, if you are a believer, you have a joyous living hope because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And no one and nothing can take that from you. We can even face the prospect of our own death. If if I were to find out that I have COVID-19 tomorrow, that would certainly be tough. It's not something that I would want. If I found out I was not even going to make it, I can still have joy and hope because I know it will not have the last word. When I lie cold in the grave, and that will happen one day, and when it happens, I know that is not the end. Jesus Christ will raise me up. I was watching this week a documentary on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German theologian, and Bonhoeffer in World War II was part of the resistance against Hitler. And on uh, April the 8th, 1945, so uh, right around the time that I'm filming this, but back in 1945, just less than a month before uh, the war was over and less than a week before the Allies came and took over the concentration camp where he had been kept. On April the 8th, 1945, they brought Bonhoeffer out and they were taking him away to hang him. And his last recorded words were, this is the end. For me, it's the beginning of life. Because see, the Nazis may hang a Christian, but they can't take away our life. All they can do is end this life and this time of struggling and trial, and we are born again eternally into new life, into a full inheritance. Friends, that gives us a foundation of hope and joy that is alive that cannot be shaken. So if you are a believer, I want to encourage you this Easter, whatever other things we can't do this year, we can rejoice. We have a living hope and we have a living hope because he is risen. He is risen indeed. What we're going to do to respond to this is Anne's going to sing another song. 
Uh, it's, it's a favorite of ours here at the church. It's in Christ alone because everything I'm talking about is given to us in Jesus Christ and it is given to us in Jesus Christ alone. So I encourage you to, to hear the gospel again as we sing it together. Let's sing the gospel by ourselves or in our families, wherever you're at, but let's sing this gospel together and rejoice because in Christ alone, we have everything because he is risen, he is risen indeed. Amen. He is risen, friends. Thanks to Anne for leading us in that song. I pray it's been a blessing to you. Let's close with a word of prayer, and then uh, I will give us a benediction. Father, how grateful we are that everything we could need or desire is given to us in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as Peter said, we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Lord, we are full of hope, not because of our circumstances. They're tough right now. Not because of our abilities. We're finding out things that we can't even control. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that he has conquered death. He has done it for us. And so, Lord, we pray you would send us forth with a living, joyous hope, Father, that we might spread the good news that he is risen, he is risen indeed. And now, friends, I encourage you to receive the blessing of God. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom be glory for now and evermore. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.